Welcome to our weekly Wednesday shear. I say Wednesday, not Wednesday night, because unfortunately, not unfortunately, Baruch Hashem, I have a engagement tonight, not engagement, prior engagement, shall we say, for tonight, and therefore um, I would not be able to give the shear tonight, but Wednesday is Wednesday, at least we're doing that much. And as throughout the weeks of Svira, Throughout the past weeks, we dedicate the shir to our Baruch Ben Yudra Levi, Olav Shalom, Amir Basara, and in Chedesh Sivan, the upcoming Yod Side 4, Yitzhak Ben Avraham, the husband of Amir Basara. May he be a good Tibetan, Yid Bey Sivan, a very special day. Matshemblanada, we will speak again about him, but the putting a dedication for him on this shir. As well, um, this week, Pashtun again, Bahar Bechukesai. Not that long, but the two Pashtuns together. It's Chazak of Chumash Vayikra. But most importantly, once again, Kla Yisrael is being united, Achinu Bnei Yisrael, and the Yidin in Chutzlaretz will be reading the same Parsha, which would be ultimately Behar B'chukhesai here, B'chukhesai in Eretz Yisrael, Ratzayin HaKadosha, and in Yeretz HaShem HaBa'olein HaLeteva, the Shabbos before Shavuos, as always, will be reading Parshas Bamidbar. The this, the, thus, Making this Shabbos, of course, Shabbos Kavar Kamachedish Sivan. Um, and of course, as all the weeks in Svira, we'll mention something in Mesech Seta and something in Pekiavis, this week, Perik Hamishi, Mirza Hashem. Baruch Hashem, I don't have a custom to start off. A funny thing happened to me on the way to the office today. Pashas Bahar B'chukesai, as we know, the last two Pashas of Vayikra, like to begin, of course, with the famous Nost Chalasan B'chilasan, sorry, the beginning and the end of Chumash Vayikra, <coughs> the most commonplace connection, the last two words, talking referring to at the end of Bukhesai is Bahar Sinai. These are the things that were told to Mesha Bihar Sinai. Um, we have of course the question we say in the beginning of Pirkyavas Mesha Kibotera Mi Sinai, not Alha Sinai. It says Mesha received the Tera from Sinai, not on the Mount Sinai. We need to understand what is exactly logistically how that it works, why it does not say on the mountain from Sinai. And this, therefore, we put directly the connection with what we're about to discuss, which is the fact that Vayikra begins with the word Vayikra with a small aleph. And we spoke about the small aleph being that, that Moshe Rabbeinu did not want to be counted or looked at as anything different or special, and therefore wanted to even be mentioned as if the prophets of the Chassashon, the other nations, and since by Bilam it says Vayikor, doesn't say Vayikra, he wanted Vayikor to be mentioned by him as well when he's called by the Almighty God. But the Almighty says to him, No, my friend, it doesn't work. You are very special. You are way different, of course, and holier than they and therefore you have to write Vayikra. So as a compromise, Mesha wrote the Vayikra with a small aleph, <coughs> showing his humbleness, his humility. What happened with the ink, etc., we went through already different shirim. But the concept of humility begins the Chumash Vayikra, the concept of humility ends the Chumash Vayikra as it begin, ends with Bahar Sinai. And therefore the commonplace connection between the beginning and the end of Chumash Vayikra, of course, is the concept of Anivas, 
of humility, of humbleness. Oh, this is disgusting having this interference. And I thought I cleared it before. Sorry if I came across on the recording. Okay, my apologies. I had a few weeks ago trouble with the computer where it kept freezing the video. That's why it was in parts. So before I start the show, I reboot the computer. Um, ultimately, we get that message for some reason. I don't know why. Anyway, it's there. It happened again. I thought I cleared it already. <coughs> to the end of Pashbuch Kesai, before I go into the actual, I'd like to speak something on Bahar as well, but towards the end of Pashbuch Kesai, there's a Khati. As Brisi Yaakov. Pashbuch Kesai has in it Teicha. Teicha being, of course, the clawless curses if the Jews don't do what they have to do, the curses that will be brought upon them, Chasashalom. Not behaving the way they should. Towards the end of Teicha, and as a pasuk that's read out loud, Zacharti, I remember, as Bris Yaakov, as Bris Yitzchok, as Bris Avram. In the Teicha itself, Hakadosh Baruch Hu brings and explains, tells the Jews of the different punishments and severe punishments that they God forbid go through. But at the end, Hakadosh Baruch Hu prophesizes, brings the prophecy of the repentance, and of bringing back the Jews to the way of Terah, and of course the ultimate redemption. But according to the order of the Pesukim, the way the Pesukim are read, it doesn't work properly. They'll confess their sins and the sins of their fathers. Before that, it had to be of course the Seder Tshuva person wanting to repent. Afterwards, you have to bring the gula. But afterwards it says, bring them to the land of their enemies. Or at that point, their hearts will become, will turn and want to do, want to repent. Only after that, that I say, I'll remember the bris of Yaakov and bring the schusim of the others that will ultimately bring the Geula. So it's a little bit of confusing order in which it's mentioned here. So we learn from this ultimately that the Vida, the, the, the confessions that a Jew makes on the, gen, on the sins at the end of the exile still don't bring about the redemption. It's only after the Jews ultimately really, really buckle down and the Jews really undertake and they put their heart and soul into it, only then can the redemption come about. Only then will Hashem bring them into the land of their enemies There will still not be enough to bring the redemption. Only in the redemption, only the merit of our forefathers. The past performance, as we judge it, the Jews have confessed on sins. But they haven't necessarily stressed too much on the actual repentance the actual changing the insides of their hearts, the depth of their hearts. And the Jews have been subjected to much, much pain, to many problems, many issues. But with withstanding everything, 
with all the punishments that we've been going through, all the suffering that we've been subjected to, it still didn't turn us inside out enough to leave the path of sin and to attach to HaKadosh Baruch And because of this, of course, just confession, which ultimately brings about the erasure, the wiping out of the sins, it's not ultimately proper tshuva. How does it come about, though? How do we get rid of our sins? Bring you into the land of your enemies. Causing you, oppressing you, and bringing you to your heartfelt repentance. The breaking of the heart, the pains, the punishments, the trials, the tribulations. Only that brings about the ultimate tshuva. Because of this, it's still not enough to bring the Geula when we only are repenting, only saying that we're repenting, we're only confessing. It needs to be a total, total turnabout in the nation. Golos, exile and redemption are two opposites. The Golos, the exile, is a hidden concept, whereas Geula is a Phonisi Lachem, a total revelation, a revelation of God's actual face-to-face with, God, with the Jews. with God's nation. And this is still not taking place. Therefore, Kaddish Baruch Hu brings about the Gula not in the merit of us, of our nation, but in the merit of our forefathers. But still in all, the confession causes Kaddish Baruch Hu to behave with compassion to the Jewish nation. As Rashi says, on Vehevesi Eisam Meretz this is a midah teva Yisrael, a good kindness that God is giving the Jews. Ani einem enichem. Elamaymed ani esneviyai umachzidim tachas knafai. I am going to appoint my prophets and they will bring you back under the fold of my wings. The concept of a person confessing his sins even though he's not completely redeemed himself, he's not completely repented from within, also has in it a tachlis, also has in it a positive impression. Speaking itself awakens the heart. And therefore when the person says that he's not complete, he feels it when it comes to that moment of embarrassment. And therefore this also causes a positive result. And therefore it's a very imperative, his father Alevinam. And here we start our passage, this way we start our repentance and we start our way of bringing about the Gaula Mitis Vashlema. But in the order in which itself it's brought down. I remember the, the, the covenant that I opened with Yaakov and with Yitzchok and Avraham 
And I remember. Rashi explains why backwards. Rashi has a question. The Mechamesh the Mikra asked a very simple question. Why backwards? Why Yaakov, Yitzchak, and Avram, and not like always Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov? And he answers, Kuleimar. So to say, Kedaihu, it is fit, Yaakov hakotten lekach. That Yaakov himself, the cotton, the small Yaakov, should be enough for this. Should be sufficient. Vim kedai. But if the Jews are not fit for it, and they need more merit, Hare Yitzchak, Yitzchak's with him. What happens? Vim kedai, if that's not enough, Yaakov and Yitzchak together, Hare Avram ima Yishu kedai. Avram is with them, and he's enough. From Rashi's expression, the way Rashi is explaining this, he's minimizing the merits of Yaakov Avinu. He's making, he's putting Yaakov Avinu on the lowest of the pedestal. Then goes Yitzhak ben Avram. Mefarshim say, though, they have a question on this. We know very, very well Yaakov is referred to as Bachur Shabavis. He was the ultimate of the fathers. In that case, how does Yaakov, how does Rashi justify Yaakov being mentioned first because he is the minimum is Yaakov Akotin. Perhaps we could base on another Rashi in Pashat Kisisa. On the Pasuk Zuchir Avraham Yitzchak Yisrael. Remember Avraham Yitzchak and Yisrael. And there Rashi explains if it's because they went to the fire, if you want to burn the Jews, then remember Avram. What did Avram do? He was ready to be burnt for you, in your sake, in my cousin. If if you want to kill them, remember Yitzchak. He stretched out his neck by the Akeda, prepared to die for God. If you're looking to put us in exile, remember Yaakov, he already went to Golos and Choron. So we hear from this that the greatest chus, of course, is Avram Avinu. He's greater than Yitzchak and Yaakov. Because he put himself out, he was ready to be burnt, and he put himself into the fire. He put himself into the fire to be burnt for the name of God. That ultimately is the ultimate sacrifice. Lower than that comes Yitzchak. What did Yitzchak do? He stretched his neck and said, Go ahead, I'm ready to be a sacrifice. I'm ready to be a carbon. <coughs> and from the order of the four Mises of Bezin, four ways that Bezin puts someone to death, Srefa is worse than Herak. If we keep his score at home, it's a mission in Sanhedrin. And lower than that, of course, is going into exile, which is the mysterious Nevesh Bepel, but it was only goals. 
before we go back into the Sikh itself. Slight examination. Avram said he's going to the fire. Him. He himself excuse me, was prepared to die for God. Yitzchak was ready to die for God. He put his neck out and says, go ahead, shech me, slaughter me. Yaakov Avinu only, only said, only acquiesced and agreed to go to exile, to be put into exile. To roam. To be out of his home, to be out of his element, to be away from his existence. Only. But I want to examine something else here. And it's a very, very interesting point that I'd like to just take a tangent of the Rebbe Sikha. It's not anything in the Rebbe Sikha at all. Yaakov Avinu had a very great mysterious nefesh. Avram Avinu's great mysterious nefesh, he went and he took, we were saying about him going into the fire, but on greater than that was, we said, you see the video is acting up again, greater than that we said, he was ready to sacrifice his son. But who ultimately, I mean the son was not a baby, he was 37 years old. So who ultimately is counted for this mitzvah is Yitzchak. Yaakov does something different. Yaakov didn't just agree he himself to go to Golis. He took his children. And not only his children, his children's children. Generations have suffered in exile because of that acceptance of Yaakov Avinu. Are we in exile? Honestly. You can go to a store, buy whatever you want to eat. You can find a shul, you can find a mikvah, you can find a minion, you can find a shear, you can find whatever you'd like. Are we in exile? Rabbi Isai, I'm recording this year on a computer. I'm going to put this year on a site, shear.us, that goes on to iTunes, and people can find it. Baruch Hashem, the amount of people that find this year weekly and listen to it. Ashrechem. May you all be merit to all that you ask for. I now started videoing this year. And upon request, people are receiving the video of this year. Via the internet. During the regular shirim, Wednesday nights, we also have people joining on Skype. You can notify if you want to join the Skype group as well. The Skype is via my smartphone. Rabbi Sai technology has gone and is taking off beyond our capacity. Technology... Oh, this thing is frozen on something second. As soon as I started talking about technology, it got angry at me. Wonderful. This is after rebooting. Okay, I guess this part is not going to be on the technology. 
Technology has gone beyond our, our, it's out, it's out there, it's running away with us. It's running away from us. But worse than that, besides us being subjected to it, Rabbi Yisai, our children are being subjected to it. And it's a test, it's a gzeda, it's a decree a decree that people are having a difficult time overcoming especially our youth especially our children Rabbi say it's a nightmare that's going on out there these smartphones, the computers, the iPads, whatever it might be are making the world very, very small. They're making the world much smaller. Baruch Hashem, we have the capacity to be able to talk face-to-face with people all across the world. But worse than that, it's a Yitzhahara that's bringing about Rachman al-Itzlan, the best and the smartest are falling trapped to it. The best and the small, smartest are falling victim to it. Whether it be youth, whether it be adult, it is a terrible test. And we need to monitor, we need to help, and we need to see to it that our children are protected. We need to see to it that we are protected. It's a very difficult, difficult trying time. It's a difficult golos, a difficult exile that we are being subjected to, the exile of technology. It is taking the generation by storm. People need to monitor their children's phones, their children's computers. People need to monitor their own phones and their own computers. We don't have to have a wife checking her husband's and a husband checking a wife. (coughs) A man and a woman should know and be careful enough and be scrupulous enough to know where their boundaries are and what they're doing, what they should and shouldn't do. If they feel, God forbid, they're falling if they feel, God forbid, they're slipping, they should see, they should go to a rov, they should go to somebody that can help them, they can talk to them, they can guide them. But don't hold back until it's too late, Rahman al-Islam. One needs to see to it, and boys need to remember that they are boys and girls, and they are girls, and in the Chassidish world, boys and girls do not mix, boys and girls do not talk, boys and girls do not meet, and boys and girls do not do anything until they are married. This is an Esayin, this is a test, this is a Yetzirah, this is the Satan, has his both feet, both hands, both feet, his claws are sinking into our youth, sinking into our generation. Biting pieces away from good children, good bachim, good girls that are 100% sneers, bachim that are 100% Yiddish Shemayim, that are going to the mikveh daily, that are learning three times, they're learning all this darim and davening three times a day with a minion. And they're up on time in the morning and they go to sleep late at night. And they're devoted to their learning, but somewhere in the middle of the day, unfortunately, or middle of the night, they're getting caught up in this massive, massive test, this golos. It's chasing them, it is creeping behind them, and it's causing them a lot, a lot of detriment. Rabbi Yisai, take heed, I'm not a soothsayer, chas v'shalom. I'm not a novi to come and to prophesize anything. Handwriting is on the wall. 
or in the palm of the children by their own hands in their own hands it hold they hold it the device in their hands and it needs to be carefully taken care of so therefore Yaakov's mysterious nefesh I think was greater than the other two in the mere fact that he accepted Golos, allowed his children to be subjected to what they are being subjected to in the ultimate generations of the Golos. Let us go back to the Rebbe Sicha, we have to add the Teres Kahanim. Over there he explains the order is opposite. If the Maisa of Avram is enough, Maisa Yitzchak. If that's not enough, then Yaakov. Because in Teres Kahanim, the later ones have a greater schusim. The schus of Yitzchak was greater than that of Avram, and the one of, Avram, of Yaakov greater than that of Yitzchak. Whereas Rashi says no. The older ones have the greater schusim. And as the generations go down, Yaakov had cotton. But Avram was greatest. Let us understand the difference. According to the difference we add, Another addition, another difference that we find between Teres Kahanim and Rashi. In Teres Kahanim, the Lashon is, Ime Maisa Avraham Kidai, then Maisa Yitzchok. If the work of Avraham was not sufficient, then the work of Yitzchok. Maisa Yaakov, or the work of Yaakov, which you have to come on to the schus of their works, their Maasehem. Whereas Rashi says, Kidai Hu, Yaakov, Yitzchok, and Avraham. They themselves are fit. They themselves are sufficient. They themselves are enough. Rabbi Isai, it is a total different concept. And It's a total different concept of the Aveda the Masehem or the actually Kedai their Schusim. When we talk about Maisa Ovis, like the Maisim Tevim that they did, Bepeil, by Yaakov has a greater Maida than Avram and Yitzchak, as we spoke before about the exile and the fact that he was the son of Yitzchak and the grandson of Avram. He had Yichus. Therefore he was born in a much more pure and a much more holy atmosphere. And therefore his actions were totally pure, pure and perfect. So much so he had mitase shleima. All his children were perfect. And therefore, this is the second part of a shir, I'm sorry, on the video, but there's a piece missing. You have to go to the audio if you want to hear it. And it's good night to go back to it. And therefore, Yaakov was in a much higher level in that his children were all perfect. He did not have a Yishmol. He did not have an Esav. And therefore, Teres Kahanim stresses the merit of their Maisim, of their actual actions, of things they actually did. And therefore Yaakov's chus is greater than that of Yitzchak. is greater than that of Avram. Because whoever came later, I'm giving a class, I'll call you back in 15 minutes. It's okay. I answered it only because I'm waiting two days for that phone call to call me back.
therefore it comes into the Maisim, and their Maisim, Yaakov, is greater. And that's Teres Kahanim's approach. However, Rashi stresses the schus of the Ovis itself, their merits, not their work. And the Chiddush and the, the new point here, and the endearment that involves with them, the Kayak that they merited to be a forefather, Avram is greater than Yitzchak and greater than Yaakov, and Yitzchak greater than Yaakov. Because Avram, because of Avram, the fact that he was not born to a beautiful home, he was not born to righteous parents. But rather, he was born to a terach, raised in a house full of avedizara. Therefore, his schus is greater, as he's mentioned. As he recognized HaKadosh Baruch on his own. He didn't have a Yitzchak or an Avram as a father and a grandfather to tell him and to remind him and to show him the greatness of Hashem. Only he himself recognized God. So much so that he was willing to die, he was willing to be thrown into a furnace for the merit of the sacrifice and glorification of God's name. Therefore, he is the one that is considered the top. He is the one that's considered the father of our nation. But we still need to understand Rashi. If Yaakov was not enough, Yitzchak Imoy, Yitzchak with him. But it says, V'af Yitzchak, V'af Yaakov. It doesn't say, Im, with, it says only, if only. So it's a different expression. So why now? Why does Rashi use such a translation? Why is Rashi then used Kidai instead of the word of the Pasuk Va'af? Because the truth is that if it's not enough, then you can be enough with the other four of their forefathers. Rashi said, Yitzchak Imei, Yitzchak with him, his intention is. His intention is why Imai, why with him? Why is he not enough on his own? Because the schus of Yitzchak is its own. He stood up against Esav. Even though Yaakov, excuse me. He stood against Esav, even though he was also a child of Yitzchak. And therefore the merit of Yitzchak stood Dafka for B'nai Yisrael. In addition to the schus of Yitzchak, he had Yaakov, adding Yaakov's power, he had Yitzchak on his side. 
that only that school stood for him, only that merit stood for him, that he'd be able to conquer. And from this we understand also the continuation of Rashi. Im if he was not fit, Avram imei shehu Avram is with him that he's fit. Because the Chayna again, since we're talking about before, on the two merits, the merit of Yaakov, the merit of Yitzchak, Rashi should say, Im einam kedai, if they're not enough, why do you say, if it is kedai? Havre Avram imayim. Why do you say, Im einay kedai, Avram imay, Avram is with him, it should be imahem, with them. He says, if Yaakov is not enough, Yitzchak's with him. And if Yitzchak's not enough, Avram's with him. It should say, with them. But that's not what Rashi's trying to do. He's not putting together the merit of Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. After the schus of Yaakov not being enough, then we go back to only Avram's schus. Because it's greater than the schus of Yitzchak and of Yaakov's. And Rashi writes, Hare Avram imoi, he means with Yaakov alone. That in order that the merit of Avram should stand for the Jews, Dafke and not for Yishmol and Esav, this is in order to be Mezake in the merit of Imoi with Yaakov Dafke. Because then the merit of Yaakov Avram stands for Zera Yaakov, for the children of Yaakov. Here we go again. It's not a happy video today, I guess. Um, okay. Still need to get the pretty of this. Go back in the little into Bahar. Basic says Ki Yomuch Achicha Ali Tikach Mitay Neshach Sarbis. If your brother is going to be hard times and unfortunately has to come out to you for a loan. Ted is warning you not to lend money to a fellow Jew with interest. The warning completes with the words Ani Hashem Eleikechem. Asher Tzaysi Aschner Tzayim Lizachem Eleikim. Sorry. And Chazal explains the Sifra and the Pasuk. Call him a Kabbal of El Ribis. Anyone that is careful not to loan money on Ribis, the Kabbal El Shemaim. Call a Perikmena El Ribis, Perikmena El Shemaim. Anyone, anyone that accepts upon himself not to loan money on Ribis is accepting upon himself the yoke of heaven. But if someone does loan money on interest, he's throwing off the yoke of heaven. Why? The mitzvah of ribis, the mitzvah of not taking interest, is a point, is a, a, a top point in the Teda to be the poster boy for Kabbalah Salamach HaShemayim. What is this different than other mitzvahs? That doing, keeping it, or not keeping it, it is the essence of our connection to God. Let's know what Ribbis is all about. What's interest about? Some people live by loaning money and interest. The concept of Ribbis I want to make money doing nothing. I want my money to make me money. Now generally, a person can invest 
And that money makes money for them. Makes sense. Makes dollars. Um, but to loan money to somebody and to say, okay, pay me back more money than I give you. It doesn't work. This video is not working today at all. Forget it. Why does it not work? When you lend somebody money, it becomes his money. It's not your money anymore. It left your issues. It left your ownership. You've now loaned it to this other person. Come what may, say what you'd like. It's not your money. It's not in his hands until he pays it back to you. He owes you the money now, but it's his money. By loaning money with ribbis, with interest... You're having pleasure on something that belongs to somebody else. Something that was once yours. It's not an investment in business. Then the cash, then the money is still yours. And you may make money on your money. This is a loan. This becomes the person's money. Interesting a story about some tzedek. There was a, a yid that Nebuch was an eifel. He, he fell apart. Everything, he lost everything. He was not a chassid. And um, he had to sell his property, he had to sell his house, he had to sell his furniture. He was never totally, totally destroyed. Totally destroyed. And uh, he would, he sent his whole family to live with his in-laws and he himself just sat in Bismedish, miserable, broken, a broken vessel. He was too proud to take Tzedakah, obviously. He was a wealthy man once upon a time. So he suffered. One day, a few Chabad of the came in, and they said to him, why don't you go see the Rebbe? And he went to see the Rebbe, he didn't know why. And the Rebbe suggested him to see go to, to go to Berlin. Go to Berlin. Anyway, he walked out of the Rebbe's office and he was totally dismissing everything the Rebbe said. First of all, I have nothing in Berlin. Secondly, I have no way of getting to Berlin. I have no money. Third of all, I don't... What business am I going to do there? How am I going to stay there? Where am I going to sleep there? It's absurd. And what does the Rebbe know about business anyway? He came back to his town and I'm hoping again a bismethis and the students see him there. And they say, What happened? Did the Rebbe give you a bracha? Did the Rebbe give you advice? The Rebbe, your Rebbe is off his mind. He sent me to Berlin. in Berlin. Siddham said, Shugina. You were sent to Berlin, you go to Berlin. And so they gave him money for a train, for a hotel, for. And that's it. And the man gets on the train and he goes to Berlin he takes finds a cheap room and he's staying in the room and garnished he goes out onto the street he has nothing to do he has nothing he doesn't know anybody he would look into all the fish stores it was a fish I guess he had to do with fish before he would walk by and look at the fish stores Second, third day is there. He 
standing in front of a fish store. And all of a sudden, the owner comes out. He tells him, Shalom Aleichem. He says, listen to me. I got an issue. Now, I don't know who you are or what you are. What you are. I see you looking at fish. You must stop and all this and understand the business. I will sell you. I have a lot, a lot, a lot of carp. I will sell you all my carp. $10 a barrel. I have 100 barrels. Come inside, investigate, inspect it. You'll see beautiful stuff. I have nothing to do with it. The fellow doesn't ask any questions. He's mesmerized by the whole offer even. And he walks into the shop. He walks into the shop and he gets to the back of it and he shows him the barrels. And he says, He says, I have compassion for you. I feel that you understand. You tell me the address you need to send this to. I will send it at my expense. And as a matter of fact, I'll only take $9 a barrel. Nine mark, whatever it was. <laughs> before the man could say boo, before he could say anything, the guy had a paper drawn up. What's your name? Mr. Philip. But okay. And he gives him the paperwork, and he takes his paperwork. Shalom. Now this guy is obviously wondering what is he going to do with 100 barrels of carp when he doesn't know who he's selling it to or how he's doing anything. No. It didn't take long. The very next day there's a knock on his door. He figures they're coming to deliver the carp. And the guy told him, you give him 30 days, give him whatever he needs, he'll give him any terms he wants. Coming to deliver the carp, carp I have the 100 mm-hmm. barrels, where am I going to put them, what am I going to do with them? I have no money to pay for them yet. Anyway, he opens the door, there's a bunch of guys standing there. Are you Mr. So-and-so? He says, yeah. Shalom Aleichem. We're under the understanding, we went to go buy carp. And we're desperate for carp. There's no carp in the market. And we were under this, from the understanding of the, the fish guy, the retail wholesaler. He says he sold everything to you, so he cannot sell us anything. We're desperate. There's no carp. We'll pay you ninety dollars a barrel. $90 a barrel, and now mind you, the guy was so desperate to get, give it to him, he gave it to him for not 10 but $9 a barrel. No. <laughs> the guy's staring at disbelief of these people, and they take out a wad of cash, and the other guy takes out another wad of cash because he has the, the extra dollar a barrel, And Meshachal Dan, and he gives, they give him the money, he gives them their receipt, so they can go collect all the carp from the store. He goes back to the fish store, and he pays his bill, and he leaves a wealthy man. So he didn't put a finger in cold water, really. But he made money on his money that he didn't have and that he didn't invest. This is a person that has, although he didn't have much Yiddish mind, he didn't believe really in the Rebbe, but he had Kabbalah sale and he picked up and he went. This is the union of loaning on interest, of actually not loaning on interest. This is the, sign- the, the, the signature concept of loaning money. It's generally a way of serving God, no more, no less. Kashbarakh created the world in a way of Shefa and Bracha, and it comes through the person's toil, through the person's work.
This is the life, the, the person's life, and the blessings, the physical and the spiritual. Sati Gishmechem Beitam, Gishmechem Lashen Geshem, the Gashmius of a person. A person has to do good deeds, has to strive to reach a spiritual level. Why Rakadish Baruchu established this? This is the Takhlas Atev, not to milk off of the blessings of the Creator on things that He doesn't put His hand into. And the answer to that is the answer to that is that just the opposite. Because this is the Takhlas Atev, because this is the ultimate good, person wants for his good and for his sake for the truth good of a mankind therefore he established a thing, an item a way that a person can work himself and devote himself and give himself over only to real true to, real, true good and this is what giving when a person gives freely he gives away what's called embarrassing bread is a matana skinam. It's not a matana. It just gives nachas and sipuk. When the person works at it and strives, and then he gets reward, he's fully, he's so happy. When you get something truly, this is what God wants from us. In order that we should be able to get what we deserve. And this mitzvah is therefore the symbol of all mitzvahs, the prohibition of interest, person needs to be warned and needs to watch out and be careful. This is the want of God. Everything that the person has comes through toil. person that sins and takes interest goes totally against just that, all the principles. And the person can only, cannot, cannot gain and benefit without investing you cannot gain on somebody else's money. And therefore, it has to be the Kala Teda Kula, the mitzvahs. This is Kala Mekayim Mitzvah Zu, the Mekabla Macha Shemayim. The person that lends on a ribbis is a break, man of the Shemayim, throws away the Eik Shemayim, the yoke of heaven. And therefore, when a person gives and does for somebody else, it should be unconditional, it should be a devotion, a dedication something that is beyond and above in order to reap proper fruits, in order to see proper results. Mishnah Gimel and Perkei Havas Perkei Chamishi Asadonis Yenis Nisnas Avram Avinu Vahamad Bekulan Avram was tested ten tests and he stood with all. To know how dear Avram Avinu was and as we spoke in the Parsha before about the greatness of Avram over the other Ovis. The ten tests to reflect reflect the union of ten, which is the full scope of a personal potential. Avram showed his devotion, dedication to God with every dimension of his being. The ten tests show us how great he was. Because the purpose of these tests that Avram underwent, the challenges which his descendants and each and every one of us goes through today, is to bring into expression a more powerful love for God. It's written, God is testing you to see if you love God. All your heart, with all your soul. And ultimately, why Avram Avinu? Because Avram is described as Avinu, our patriarch, just as our father wants and gives us over everything that he has. Avram gave us everything in his spiritual legacy. And his spiritual legacy empowers us to overcome and to give over to our children to face challenges and divine services. And today, in Seita, we learned in Daf today, how the concept of the covet of Teda, how a person has to honor Teda, how a person has to halachically be careful not to talk during Kriya Satera, how a person has to be careful not to walk in front of a Sefer Teda, not to, and this is something that a person needs to apply to their daily life. They need to always have the covet Hateda 
and by Kavit Atayda we will overcome every obstacle in our lives and we will be merit to this Shabbos we say Chazak, Chazak and we be in Yerushalayim Irakadish as we read for Mincha Chumash Bamidbar we start Bamidbar which is the as we said before the Pasha that always precedes Matan Teda this week will be Mitz Hashem Shabbos Varchim Shchedish Sivan is Mitz Hashem on Tuesday and we wish everyone Shabbat Shalom to all.